Thank God it's Wednesday on another episode of BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very, very special guest. Um, if you saw our motivational panel a uh, couple of months ago, about a month ago, you remember her. She is in her, how do you, what do you call it again? Your... Woman's womb. You've got a man cave. I've got a woman's womb. Yep. We're coming to you live from the... We're coming to you live from the man cave, aka the attic, as our studio is currently being cleaned right now. So, oh, <laughs> uh, but joining me is my lovely friend Maraf. How are you doing today? I am doing so fantastic. I'm so glad you got your suit and tie on for me. If everyone isn't seeing the visual image, Nick is looking spiffy. Awesome. All dressed up. It's kind of like a, a suit and tie and a little bit of Kermit the Frog going on. Hey, I think that's a compliment. I like okay, Kermit. I got, I got some yeah. Miss Piggy going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I actually made a joke about that yesterday because um, we sent. I work for a news department, and we sent someone called in and said, "There's a rainbow right outside your studio," or something. So we sent the photographer out there to go capture it, and he's like, "Yeah, I couldn't find it." So he came in and said that, and I said, "Someday he'll find it." The rainbow connection, <laughs> and then someone else chimed in, "The lovers, the dreamers, and me." <laughs> okay, I want to just let you know this is how I choose my friends. If someone mm -hmm. makes a reference to some like lyric uh -huh. and, and somebody else doesn't chime in, ending the song or singing it along, yep. I'm like, if someone, sorry, let me put it in the way that I like versus like, let me put what I'm pro versus what I'm anti. If someone does chime in with the rest of the lyric, I'm like, we're friends for life. We mm -hmm. are friends. That's how I choose. That's how I choose my friends. If you know, like, and if you sing it, that's it absolutely Connected. absolutely <laughs> i'm the same way it's always a bummer when you sing the lyric or something and they just look at you like huh yeah what yeah what yeah exactly it's like well I, there goes that mood you know right and now like everybody everybody right now is going like the lovers the dreamers and me, me. and who can be in a bad mood when you're singing that song no, no one. No one. If you have, then go, if you're in a bad mood, go watch the Muppets today. That's my advice for you today. If you're in a bad mood, go watch the Muppets, you know? Right there, $300 in, in mental health advice, Nick Sorensen. Right, right there. Make the checks mm -hmm. payable, too. Exactly. <laughs> hey, every donation helps. Speaking yeah. of donations, I want to throw in a quick plug-in. Um, yeah. There's more going to be more details to come, but we are bringing back our charity show we are bringing back our charity event um we have a little buddy by the name of lottie who is one years old she's a family friend of mine and right now little lottie has three holes in her heart and the only way unfortunately to fix them is through surgery so 
we are going to be hosting our little charity fundraiser event to make sure that we can help the family in any way possible, whether it's covering their hotel stay, whether it's paying for part of the surgery, whether it's giving them food for a nice meal out, you know, yeah. we're yeah. every, I always say every little bit helps yeah. no matter what. Well, so, you know, even if it's just, if you consider, even if you donated the $10, that's going to get little Lottie, you know, that little teddy bear that's going to get mm-hmm. you through the night, just, mm-hmm. you know, cause people sometimes they, they don't connect how like they kind of think oh i don't have much money to give so i can't you know it's kind of they, they're embarrassed to give only like a like a little donation like ten dollars i mean twenty dollars whatever but if you just consider that that's actually a real thing that goes towards a real thing that might actually get little lottie through the night exactly exactly and, and you never know. like i can give up to i mean i don't drink those you know expensive coffees anyway but I, like yeah. for the people who take themselves out to those like locket places that's mm. two coffees on your part and it gets her through the night. Like it's a, it's not a big trade-off. Mm-hmm. And you never know, like you said, you never know the impact it has. Like how many times have you, you know, gotten something major, like it's been your birthday and you've gotten something major that you've always wanted, like a new diamond bracelet or something like that. But then on your birthday, <laughs> a random stranger, you walk down the street and a random stranger gives you a compliment today or, yeah. Um, you yeah. get that one text message from that one friend you haven't heard from in X amount of years. And it's that little thing that makes you feel 10 times better than when you opened up that bracelet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you never yeah. know. I, You're exactly right. I kind of chuckled because you said diamond bracelet from a birthday and anyone who knows me knows I'm, I'm so against diamonds. I'm not against other kind of precious stones, uh-huh. but I'm a critical thinker. And yeah. uh, and a person who knows maybe a little too much about what goes on in the world, and so kind of do a little research in, in how diamonds get, you know, who who kind of set the template on what diamonds are worth and how they get harvested, and uh, mm-hmm. no blood goes on my hands uh-huh. if I know about uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I have a, I actually have a funny story. So I I've told this on air before, so I have a permission. But um, I gave my girlfriend a promise ring for our anniversary. Yeah, and. The one mistake I could ever make in purchasing a promise ring before her, you know, I got her dad's permission. I was, you know, I'm a traditional man. Wow. I, I picked her brain about Probably it. Just, is not dead, huh? Yep. Yeah. I picked her brain about it just to make yeah. sure we were both on the same wavelength, you know, and I'm not missing any anything here. Right. So I go in and I'm looking at rings and I finally decided, you know, what, what about her birthstone? She was born in January. Garnet, perfect. Beautiful you know? Capricorn girl. Yep. They bring yeah. out this beautiful ring. It's the most beautiful ring I ever see because they said, we do have Garnet. Let's go pull some options from the back. We're looking, we're looking, we're looking. Finally, they bring out the ring that I gave her, and it just screams yes to me. Like, just yes, right there. So beautiful. I purchased the ring. I'm the happiest man in the world. And this is going to be so great. She's going to love this. She's going to. All of a sudden, my phone rings. Hey, if before you make any major purchases, can I just mention I hate my birthstone? <laughs> I literally just touched the car handle door, and I got that message. Like literally, just then. It couldn't. It couldn't have been timed any better. Nikki, you've got to watch out for that kind of girl. She's got some psychic skills. 
I know. So you the entire way home, that kind of girl. So work was eye, just, her eyes on you. Uh huh. Yeah. Work was <laughs> just a mile. You know, it was just a couple yeah. miles up the road. So I'm driving to work after yeah. that, and I'm thinking, my, and I'm calling her, and I'm like, "Hey, just curious. You sure you hit your birthstone? You positive? Nothing's changing your mind. Uh, nothing like any gifts or anything would change your mind about this." And she's like, "Nope." Nope, I'm sure. I'm I'm like I'm like okay. So then I bring it up at work and it's it's a 50/50 split. Half of them are telling me, "Man, you got to return it, you know, for her." Yeah. The other half is, right. "No way. The other way is, "No way. She'll love it. Don't don't you even think about returning it." And Meantime, which one did she, you go? Which half did you follow? Thankfully, I mean, we followed the keep. We followed the keep. Oh. Cuz uh, that same day when I was at work, she kept thinking, she's like, "Why did he keep asking me that?" Why? I mean, I told him I hate the stone. Why did? It, and then it hit her like a brick wall. Oh no! Oh no! He's got it. No, oh. she's thinking. She's thinking now, like, no, no, no! I did not just do that. No, 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 no. So she called her grandmother actually, and she said to her grandmother, "I got a really big uh, situation. I need your help with, and it's really bad." Or something. Her grandma's like, "It can't be that bad, honey." Then she right. spits out like a million words a minute or something like that. And her grandmother just goes, oh, Jess. Oh, honey. <laughs> okay, we're going to fix this. Don't worry. And, and okay, so now, I mean, the viewers, like the listeners are all now, like, peaked with curiosity. Mm-hmm. So you kept it. Yes. Did she change her mind? Did she love she it? She did. She did. Because ah, later okay. that day, when I was at work, I got the text message, don't you dare return that ring. I am positive I will love it. Look at that. Mm-hmm. See, not only is she a psychic woman, but she's a compassionate woman. Yep. And she still wears she's, it to this day. She's so. a keeper. Yes. Yes. She's but a you keeper. Know yep. But this episode is about you today. <laughs> so let's jump on to that topic. Sure. Well, yep. I mean, I like Garnet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, I mean, end of the interview. Look. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, that's all we need to know. Oh. Um, no, but uh, no, that's a great story. That's a great story. Yeah. And, and it just... It, I, you wove so many ethical and moral and just beautiful principles into that. And I just want to mm-hmm. tell you that right there is great storytelling because mm-hmm. while the story is about the ring or, or mm-hmm. the stone or about, you know, what you, what you wove into that was your um, traditional ethics, right? Around like the promise ring and wanting to take her into consideration, her father into consideration, but then still wanting to surprise her, like not being, you know, Mm-hmm. No, no judgment, but I mean, some people would have taken their, uh, you know, girlfriend or, or significant other to choose it. And then that kind of takes the, you know, like you still stood in that. No, I want to surprise her. Like I want to do it right. I took her into, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you wove so many things into there. Her calling her grandmother talks about her mm-hmm. uh, traditional ethics, right? Like you actually, what you really did there was in a short snippet of a story, told a whole world of background. Mm-hmm. And 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 I know that you're trying to put you know put the situation or you know the focus back on me and but I'll mm-hmm. just say that's actually what I teach people to do. Mm-hmm. That's what I teach people to do is how to tell their stories uh, on a page or on a stage so that it you know it's a story about this. They're not standing there going, "I am such an ethical person. Let mm-hmm. me prove it to you." And then everyone's going, "Really." Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
You're actually just telling a story from your life that actually happened that weaves in everything that you're about. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful three act yeah. hero's journey right there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm on my way. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. So I got to start out by asking your motivational speaker, what led you into choosing a career with speaking in public, speaking on motivation, just speaking in general? What, <laughs> what drove your desire for that? I love this question, and I have to answer it by going like. Rewind. Uh, I don't like to call myself a motivational speaker. I like to call myself an inspirational speaker. Inspirational. Got it. Yeah. And and like people very often conflate the two, right? Because we've heard that word, motivational speaker, someone who gets you motivated. But Mm -hmm. motivation is a push factor. It doesn't last. It's something, it's sort of like cheerleading, like rah, 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 then the game's over and they're getting, you know, they're having beer behind the, you know, the stadium, like behind the bleachers. And <laughs> like, it, it's it's a facade, right? Like motivation is a facade. It It's pushing you. But when you're inspired, it's like inspiration actually comes from the same root as spirit. Uh, you know, that being inspired means that you are in your spirit. So when you're in your spirit, you actually get pulled towards something that's bigger than you, towards something that um, you know, like every single human feels that there's this sort of something bigger for us, something that's calling to us, something, and we can't really describe it much like you can't describe like air. You know, you can't describe it. We know it exists. We know it's the thing that keeps us alive. So I am an inspirational speaker and I didn't actually get into it at all. Uh, I kind of fell into it. Uh, I was, and I I think I shared this on the last episode that we had. Um, Mm -hmm. I was uh, working at a corporation and I was a, a, a secret, like an in the closet writer. I would write for my own you know, my own solace and my own catharsis. And I was always writing and keeping journals and keeping diaries, but I never thought that it would see the time of day. And then I had, uh, you know, working full-time mother, uh, full-time corporate worker. And uh, I had my three children. And then when I was in my third mat leave, now I I live in Canada where mat leaves are a year, right? We have mm-hmm. the benefit of, which is, beautiful and wonderful. And I highly, I think that the whole world should really adopt that because um, it's it's really hard to, I, I mean, I just cannot fathom having a little three month old and then having to go to work. Uh, but I actually, you know, with a year and then because I had three, that means I had more time with the older ones, even as the younger ones were coming in. But in my third mat leave, my third year off, I needed some adult conversation. I was pretty sick of talking about like who did poo poo in your diapers and who's you know which mush are we eating today and what's on you know Paw Patrol and 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 you know who wants to watch car like I was just like I need some adult inspiration I need some 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 someone to talk to uh, and so I joined a, a community group called Toastmasters and I'm sh- I know that you're familiar with Toastmasters because you're in that world but for anyone who's a, on your uh, as your listeners. Uh, I saw a little ad in the local paper that said, uh, are you looking to public, you know, for public speaking? And it also went on to say like personal development and all these things that I 
I was like, that sounds interesting, but I had never heard of Toastmasters before. And, you know, the big joke is like, what are we mastering making toast? It's, toast is not that hard to make. Like, what, what, are, you, what are we doing here? Uh, and I came to my first Toastmasters and uh, I started speaking. But the bigger, bigger than starting to speak is I started to write my speeches. And I was, I fell in love with this, uh, not just the speaking aspect, but the writing the speeches, having a reason to write and perform or write and and give in front of an audience. Uh, and it really had me uh, coming up against my own ego, my own fears around being seen and, and speaking publicly uh, and letting my own thoughts out, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and it really just started this whole snowball effect. I was going to the Toastmasters meetings, I became part of uh, the executive. And so I was kind of running the, you know, helping to run the club. Uh, and I started joining the contests, and I started winning the contests. And I started writing poetry. And so I started going to spoken word poetry events to get that, you know, it became my creative expression. Uh, and then, you know, the more I spoke, the more I started to speak about the things that really mattered to me in my life. And so the people at Toastmasters, you know, which is a beautiful community, would hear me speak about things um, and then would ask me to come and speak at their corporation or at their fundraising event or at their, you know, gala or at on their TEDx stage. Uh, and it really, you know, at the Rotary Clubs, like it really became this community of people looking to help put me on stages. And slowly but surely I started to gain a reputation as someone who like will speak on these topics and the people who wanted people to speak on those topics would book me and so that's how that all started uh, mm. and so I I really my my career I give gratitude where gratitude you know give homage where homage is due Toastmasters started my career that community started my career if anyone is on the fence about starting Toastmasters I 100% advise you, you know, invite you, ask you, kind of like motivate you or inspire you to go join Toastmasters because it's just a great community. Toastmasters it is. Yeah. Now, backtracking a little bit, you mentioned like speaking on topics and whatnot. Um, yeah. What are some of your favorite topics to speak about? You know, incredibly, it's always been the topics that are near and dear to my heart during that time. So I started out by speaking about women's empowerment. Uh, that was my, my, my focus. At the time, it was sort of on this leading edge. No one had ever heard of this thing called the Me Too movement or about women who um, were harboring maybe some things that had happened to them in the past that they felt really shameful about. And, and they were, you know, thinking that they're dirty or less than, or, you know, it was really things that were really crippling to some women, like traumas. Um, and I was starting to speak in the women's community, really about empowering women to have voice uh, of, of all of their experience. And then slowly but surely, the world started having this thing called Me Too movement. And now, I was sort of positioned as a leader in the Me Too movement, though I will say today, 
after the fact, I don't agree with everything that happened with the Me Too movement. I think the Me Too movement kind of did a lot more damage in a sense, because uh, while it did allow a lot of women to kind of like speak about their topics, it also brought in a lot of man hate, which I'm not about. Like, I'm not about women versus men. Like, you know, when people would say, you know, oh, you know, men are rapists. And I would say, no, 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 no. Rapists are rapists. Like, let's not. I have two sons and one daughter. I like I, I love my sons and my daughter equally. Like, my, don't don't anyone ever paint my sons as bad guys. Mm -hmm. Are there bad guys? Yes, but those are the bad guys, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So so there was a whole kind of world that that opened up. So I kind of started stepping back from that. I didn't like what was going on there. And at the same time, uh, I, I mentioned I have two boys and a girl. My daughter was diagnosed with autism. And so here I was empowering all these women to speak their voice. And the irony was, is that I had a daughter who didn't speak. Um, and And so I was conflicted with all these sort of like use your voice and then also I really wanted to help my daughter speak and um so my daughter and I actually wrote a book when my daughter turned to me and said like can we write a you know I'd been writing books she'd been watching me write books and speak about these things and here I was empowering all these women in the world and when my daughter turned to me and said mama can can we write a book together I was like ah, my number one woman here I am empowering all these women around the world. And my number one woman got inspired. And we wrote our book together. And that writing of the book shifted her. She went from a girl who didn't speak to this fully self-expressed, like she didn't speak in the traditional way, but the book helped her find her voice. And she started speaking about autism awareness and breaking down the barriers of, of, uh, autism, you know, preconceived notions that people had and things like that. So here she was, like I was modeling for her, inspiring her to live true to her being. Um, and so that was, that became another topic that I uh, was known to speak about is, is about, um, you know, neurodivergence and, um, and, you know, so it became kind of like the happiness mental health for women uh, that I talked about, especially with like my grandmother, that was my first TEDx, my grandmother teaching me the lessons of how to be happy. Uh, my first TEDx was, is the search for happiness making us unhappy? And that was sort of geared towards like this, you know, this more of a, a women's empowerment. Uh, and then um, autism, uh, my second TEDx was the full spectrum. So lovely and i remember yeah. i remember you telling us about that on the panel the story of your daughter the story i remember that and that still inspires me to this day thank you yeah it's as as it does with me as it mm. does with me mm -hmm. so that would be like that's one of the positive encounters that you've had throughout your career are there any others like after giving a speech someone's come up to you and said something like hey you know today really impacted me today um like I, you know, I've done some speaking for the ministry, for a ministry that I was with, Hard as Nails. And I remember people coming up, giving me a hug afterwards and saying, because of you, I'm going to make this change in my life. Because of you, you know, there's, I watch this coworker get bullied all the time, you know, because of their stature or something like that. No more. You know, I'm yeah. tomorrow, I'm going to be the one who stands up and says, hey, that's not right. Or because of you, I'm going to be the, you know, I'm being pushed around at, you know, at school or work or wherever. 
because of you, I'm going to stand up and say, I'm not taking this anymore. Have you had any of those encounters in your career or so? Amazing. I just want to, I want to kind of just, I I have, and before I answer, I just want to give so much credit to that. Uh, Just again, it's kind of like the story with the promise ring that you told. It's who you be. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you get up on stage, it's who you be. I mean, you don't have to uh, motivate anyone to not be the bystander to bullying anymore. You just stand there and inspire them uh, by telling your stories, by telling your stories of of when someone stood by you, you know, wasn't a bystander and would stand by you uh, or when you stood up to someone and you're, you know, just that's just really the message that we need to hear. Um, and yes, I definitely have had so many people through the years. Um, the biggest uh, compliment that I can get, and I'm sure you get this as a speaker, but for me, I can get this not just as a speaker, but also as an author. Uh, and for me now, it's also having had the experience that I had with my daughter. Now I'm uh, very much uh, I've started my own company of um, helping, I call them coaches, consultants, uh, you know, healers and other rebels. And really it is, it's rebels uh, to write and publish and create best-selling books, like to get their their book out, their story out through their book. So for me, not only is the biggest compliment when someone else comes to me and says, you've inspired me to, you know, tell my story but you've inspired me to write my story that like when people credit me with their book coming out with them having the guts and the courage and the bravery and the, and the cojones to come out with a book or to come out and speak, uh, you know, to speak their truth on a stage or on a podcast, that's a bigger I mean, I can't even tell you how much that makes my heart sing because my voice is just one voice, right? There's no harmony with just one voice. It's when we all start singing together that we get a, a harmony. And and that's what lights me up. I love it. Absolutely love it. I love how you get your inspiration from other people's inspiration. That's... A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you are challenged with developing a new speech, like you're developed, uh, you're developing a new message, right, to the world. What's like your what's your like your process like? Like how do you how do you get the words down? How do you think of where to take this or what to reflect on? Like, what's that process like for you? Such a great question, Nick. You're hitting it out of the park with these questions. Cuts a hundred percent. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Mm-hmm. The biggest sort of insult um, that I hear all the time is like, oh, I'll just get up on stage and wing it. Mm. And it's like, it, I mean, that's like saying I'm going to go to, you know, I plan on going to the Olympics, but I'm not going to train beforehand. Like the biggest, the biggest, it's sort of like this, and people can be, I mean, I didn't prepare notes for this because this is a free flowing conversation, mm-hmm. but that's this medium. If I'm on stage, I'm coming prepared. 
if I'm on stage, there's no such thing as like, I haven't, now it can look as if I'm just conversational. It can look like I'm just winging it and fun. And maybe there might be a little bit of, you know, if there's a audience member who says something and I respond to them, that's not scripted. Or if something happens and the technology fails and I can, you know, pick it up. But that comfort level comes from being prepared. That comfort level comes from being on script. And now I never recommend someone writes out their full speech, but you got to keep a beat sheet. And that's actually, I teach my authors to do that. You do that in your books. Mm-hmm. You do that in your stories, right? You build your story bank, beat sheet, right? Jazz musicians mm-hmm. have it. And from that beat sheet, you can go on and, and scat. You can go on and, and, and riff, but you've mm-hmm. got to have a beat sheet. Totally. Is that mm-hmm. your beat sheet for our interview? Yep. I always cool. write down my questions because there's always yeah. a flow to it. There's always, you know, I write that. I don't, like you say, I don't write down. So why did you become a motivational speaker? I just say, why speaker? Or right. favorite topics, right. you know, just those right. cue words that right. you can say, okay, if I lose track during, like, if we get into a conversation and I'm like, okay, got to backtrack, um, go into this. Or if there, you mentioned something that you, you know, that was a, that was another question coming up. I can jump to that real quick. Just make a quick note, like jump to this and then come back. You mm-hmm. know, it helps yeah. incredibly because as, you know, as someone who's done stand up comedy, I can tell you if you don't practice your stuff, if you think, oh, I'm just going to go up there and wing it. Like you said, I've seen this happen all the time. The people think I could do this easily. I could, you know, like those hecklers or whatever. I could do right. this job so easy. They're going to get up there. They're going to be. Uh, airplane food what's up with that you know <laughs> i love airplane food <laughs> i was in aviation for 25 years i kind of uh-huh. i always joke that i love airplane food so much that's how i stay looking so young there's so many preservatives in that airplane food that i just had so much of it that i'm like i like i i, I three thousand years from now they will dig me up and i will be completely like i'll be a mummif- mummified because i ate so much airplane food they're gonna be like is this remnants of the you know this body looks Incredibly yeah. young. <laughs> I'll still have my red lipstick and everything. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So one question I wanted to jump to was, you know, we kind of seem to be struggling in the world today. You know, turn on the news, turn on like just anything. I know here, at least in America, you know. It seems like every day I can tell you the to- topics that are going on, politics, yeah. you know, religion, all this other stuff. You know, what's your inspiration to the world today to just focus on good messages, to focus on, you know, um, just motivation, inspiration? What would yeah. you what would you say to the world today? You know, Nick, really, it's that's a very poignant question. It, it really is a, a great question. And, you know, while I, uh, I don't watch the news anymore, uh, but I also, I don't want to make it sound like I'm condoning not knowing what's going on in the world. Um, You know, because I I think when you're kind of like, you know, putting your head in the sand and not looking at what's going on in the world, you know, Leonard Cohen said, 
everything's got a crack in it. That's how the light gets in. Mm-hmm. So for us to pretend that there are no cracks or to try to seal up the cracks with, you know, mud and gunk and crazy glue and, you know, whatever, like, um, then we're not letting the light through. So we got to look at those cracks. Like we actually, I mean, I, I don't watch the news, but I do keep in touch with what's going on. Uh, and so while I choose to only talk about what I'm pro rather than what I'm anti, I also know what I'm pro might be very different than what's going on in the world. Right? Like I'm not, I'm not keeping blind about what's going on in the world, but I will only talk about what I'm pro because I'm here to fill in the cracks with light. Uh, and so that's right. Don't talk about what you're anti talk only about what you're pro mother Teresa said, you know, why, why, like she was invited once to a, an anti-war rally and, and she said, no, I will not go to an anti-war rally. And they said, aren't you against war? And she says, when you invite me to a pro peace rally, I'll go to that. Mm -hmm. You know, mother Teresa gives me, I have a, there's a saying that we have hanging up on our wall here. Mm -hmm. It says, do small things with great love. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Now the same question, but for how about positivity? How can we spread more of that positivity? Like you said, talk about things that we're pro about, but what else can we do to spread more positivity in a world that seems to, you know, like I'm not going to deny that. Like you walk down the street today, you say hi to someone who, you know, that's just walking by and you might, there's a, 50 50 chance you might get greeted with an unkind gesture or foul language yeah. you know how yeah. can we continue to spread positivity and stay positive ourselves during these times would you say yeah you know i can't understand i mean i can't understand how people would walk by and not accept a hello or a smile or a kind gesture or a nod or a tip of the hat or a how are you and not accept that. I mean, how closed are we, right? Like this is a global village. Let's bring back village. Let's bring back, know your neighbors. Let's bring back, uh, you know, someone moves in, you, you, you come over with, you know, apple pie or fresh baked bread or, or app, you know, an apple, that doesn't matter. You know, something from your garden or a flower. <laughs> Let's bring back, um, kind of I mean I I know you said you're a traditionalist and and I'm like a huge rebel but but like we actually need to be rebellious today in today's day and age we need to be rebellious for traditional values mm -hmm. isn't that crazy isn't mm -hmm. that crazy like oh it's new, absolutely like we are revolutionaries of traditional values <laughs> absolutely I was just I was just talking to a neighbor today some kids are stirring up some trouble in our neighborhood, you yeah. know? And I was thinking to myself, like, going back to those traditions, like, okay, if I were to ever do that when I was young, you know, I was thinking them kind of in that negative way. Like, if I'm doing this at their age, I guarantee you my mother's a very traditional mother. My right. mother is the mother that, as much as she loves us, as much as she, you know, cares, she doesn't put up with nonsense. She doesn't put up with a neighbor catching us doing something to their house or something, you know? Right, right. Like she doesn't just, she doesn't make some immediate excuse. Like 
hey, uh, oh, they're just kids, you know, kids, kids, yeah. or she's the mother that says, hey, I'll deal with this, don't worry, and she'll right. deal with it, whether she has yeah. to do, dis- you know, her, you know, as a mother with discipline, or mm-hmm. it's not, yeah. and it's not automatically get the belt out or get, you know, like, you know, get the wooden spoon out or something like that, but it's rather talking you through it. Why did you do that? Why, what were you thinking during that time? You know, so it's all, you're right. It is about tradition. The world is missing. Discipline, sometimes discipline also means walking your child over to that neighbor's house and Mm -hmm. having them either apologize to that kid if they need to, Mm -hmm. right? And standing there and going, I'm not, we're not leaving until you apologize. Mm-hmm. And until you mean it too, not right? just a, not just a, It's also mm-hmm. we're not leaving until you get an apology, because mm-hmm. Global Village. Like, exactly. We're I'm walking you over and having you stand there until you get an apology, because like mm-hmm. it's it's both, right? It's both. Yeah. We have to stand, and you know, like, there's kind of like you were saying, all oh, kids are going to be kids. Cat kids will be yeah. kids. It's kind of like uh, all boys will be boys, and it's mm-hmm. like no, 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 cross that out and go. Yeah, boys will be held to the standards that we expect of them. Exactly. Kids will be held to the standards that we accept of them. Girls will be held to the standards that we accept of them. It kind right? of, like, to me, it just it just that excuse just kind of sounds like oh, murderers will be murderers, or <laughs> you know, like like it's just an excuse for like some bad behavior. It's like okay, yes, they'll right. be kids, but what are we going to do about it? You know, you're right. addressing the problem, right. like you see, there's a problem. How are we going right. to fix it? You know? Right. So. Yeah. 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 And how, and how do we, how do we, um, you know, uh, yeah, there are going to be kids that, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. That, and if you think of it, you never know the impact that you have on somebody else. Like I know even when I was growing up, my mom had cancer and, and, you know, she was a single mom and, um, there was a neighbor that lived downstairs that sort of took me in during the time that my mom was really sick and, um, you know, gave me, I, I'm born on Christmas, so they gave me like Christmas slash birthday presents and they were kind of like, you know, aunt and uncle and then they moved away and I never saw them again. And it's not like they, you know, I, it's not like they were step parents or sort of like adoptive parents, not at all. They were just neighborly but they took me through a really hard time and who knows like just that little bit of giving me my kind of christmas slash birthday present that year that my mom was really sick you know like that by itself is is just huge and where where else can you do that like where uh-huh. where can can i you know it, it doesn't just mean that it's just parents yeah who who shape a child it's the whole community mm-hmm. yeah exactly Exactly. My mom always talks about how communities need that grandmother figure, you know, not just the grandmother that won't put up with any of this nonsense or will be like, hey, you know, well, back in my day, here's what happened. But that grandmother figure that can take a child in and say, look, here's how we're going to do it. You know, you're going to be here at five o'clock every day for dinner. You're going to be here. You know, we're going to just take some in and says, look, this is how we're going to live now. You're so right, Nick. Let me tell you how how strong what you just said was. Uh, When I was 18, I worked for Amnesty International and I was positioned at the Rafa crossing, which is the crossing between uh, Israel and Egypt. It doesn't exist anymore because, um, you know, politics changed it anyway. You know, borders have changed. But at the time, back in the 90s, it was the number one most disputed uh, under the UN Human Rights 
commission, right? Under under like UN watchdog. Mm-hmm. It was literally like the biggest place of, of skirmishes that people needed to intervene. Uh, and I was a peacekeeper with Amnesty International. We didn't actually call ourselves peacekeepers. We called ourselves peacemakers. It was a distinction for Amnesty. It's like, we're not keeping the peace. We're making peace. Uh, but I'm standing there with my, you know, sort of like official T-shirt and clipboard and, you know, like, uh, and there were women who just self-organized and, and they, they were called the three mothers and they just self-organized. They ensured that they had one woman uh, every single day, someone from their community, a Jewish, a Christian and a Muslim mother figure, right? A, didn't matter whether no one questioned whether she actually had kids, but more of like a grandmotherly figure would stand there at the, you know, at the border control. And they had more of an effect every single time than any of us sort of with our T-shirts and clipboards and kind of doing this like, you know, they had more of an effect just by saying one little thing like, no, 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 no. You were not raised like that. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of people will go, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> they were so effective. They were so effective. So don't discount what a wagon finger can do mm. for world peace. <laughs> I love that. Don't discount what a wagon finger could do for world peace. I love that saying. <laughs> like a Mother Teresa. Yeah. You know, we don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. We it's all about just being a robot. And even the same goes for even the negative way, you know. You never know what negative impact you can have on someone too. So right. always be aware of what you're doing. Always be aware because right. you never know. Like, you know, you're out with your kids one day and you get into road rage or something. You know, you, you know, you swear off the guy who just cut in front of you or something like that, nearly causing an accident or something. Right. right. You never know when your kid's paying attention in the back seat. Yeah. Yeah. And even more so than that, you never know what that person might be going through. There was a, a song back in the early 2000s. I think it was Tori Amos, but basically the words were, uh, you know, that person may have just lost their mother. That mm-hmm. person may be on their way to go visit their, you know, dying child. That might be little Lottie's parents who you just cut off in the, like, you don't know, you know, and yeah. maybe they, maybe they did make a right turn without notice they, noticing that you were there. Let's yeah. say, right. They exactly. might've, but if you knew what's going on in their head, you'd go, oh, wow. Or in their life, right? Like, yeah. you know, what's going on in their life? You, yeah. You'd say like, oh, gosh, you know what? Make all the right turns, you know, make make all the mistakes you need. You didn't hurt me. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a story to explain your case for that. Um, when I was a freshman in school, in high school, there was this kid who, always fell asleep like during class you know teachers would always have to wake him up all this stuff here i am thinking this kid doesn't care about his education why is he here you know why he's falling asleep during classes like not like and he kind of like i'll admit he kind of gave off that attitude a little bit like yeah why am i here you know but he just kept falling asleep i'm like why why because it's a private school too so why pay all this money just to sleep through a class you know so I questioned, like, I got that judgment off my head, like, why that? Only to find out during a retreat, because it, it was a Christian school, too. Yeah. I find out during a retreat that the reason that kid is so tired all the time is because he's up late caring for his family because his mom is sick. Wow. 
you know? So you're absolutely right. And the time that someone cuts us off, you're thinking a million inappropriate names that we won't say on this show, you know? (laughs) You're thinking, you know, you bleep, bleep, bleep. Why would you bleep it do that, you know? We're thinking they're just selfish, that they don't care about any other driver on the road, that they just do their own thing and who cares? When really, like you said, who's to say that person isn't in an extreme rush because 10 seconds ago, they just got the call that, hey, get down to the hospital. It's bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's this or that, or hey, um, you know, something major is going on in their life that they just had to go pick up something real quick, but now they have to rush back. Like they had to go pick up milk because they have no groceries in the house or something. But at the same time, their three-year-old daughter's home, you know, for just a period of time, like just got off the school bus or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, can never, exactly. There's always yeah. a story behind something. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. And I think that just takes us right back to bring. Let's bring back neighborly. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's as bring Mr. Back neighborly. As one yeah. of my favorite role models says, "Won't you be my neighbor?" Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh huh. In my case, in my case, I ask, "Won't you be my buddy?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really is much the same. It really mm-hmm. is much the same. Did you did you see that Mr. Rogers movie? Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Such a yes. sweet movie. Yeah. Yes. And Tom Hanks was born for that role, I personally think, you know? I like agree. He, like they they couldn't have found someone better to to portray him. I agree. But I actually I, I have a small story about that before I ask my next question. You sure. know how you were talking about traditional being all that? Yeah. I actually met my future boss, who's now, he's retiring, but the job that I have now, I met my boss at the end of that movie. I saw him when I walked into the movie and he was, he's an icon, he's like a media icon in the city. So, every, you know, you would know him if like, you know, the media industry in Erie, you know, hey, that's so-and-so, you know? Right, right. So but he was with his family. So I just, I let him be. I'm like, hey, you know, hey, that's so-and-so. So... I was walking into the restroom at the end of the movie and he was there washing his hands. I said hello <laughs> to him, introduced myself, and that was that, you know, and that was that. I sent him a nice message saying it was nice seeing you today. <gasps> Best of luck to you and you know, you in the news industry. He said it was nice seeing you too. Keep me updated, you know, like keep up the great work yourself, keep me updated with where you are in life. So, fast forward Three months from that, I'm struggling with the job situation I'm in. The job that I had wasn't paying me. You know, I was just, I, but I kept staying because I just, you know, I didn't, I wanted to, I wanted to keep my image and all this other baloney. And um, <laughs> so I'm struggling to find a new job. Literally, I am in talks with one of the biggest companies in town. I go through multiple rounds of interviews just to get the generic what you would have gotten if you didn't make it through the first round that not even a reason as to why we can't, you know, are offering you this or moving you forward, but just the generic email that they, that they just send out like, okay, beep sent, you know? Wow. So at that morning I was at my breaking point. Like, I'm like, I don't know how much further I can take of this. Like I am just struggling left and right here. Something led me back to that encounter and I reached out to that boss. I reached out to my current boss and I said, um, would it be okay if I just sent you a resume in case you have any openings at the moment? 
you know, or just something to keep on file in case you do have any openings coming up. And he said, he got back to me within the hour and said, actually, please do. Please, if you could, send it to this email address immediately. Wow. Send him my resume within the hour. I got a call for an interview. And that was on a, for the following day. So that was a Thursday. The Friday, the following Friday, I have the, I have the interview. And that Monday, I got the call. Please wow. come down here. We love, we, we want you. Look at that. So the more, the moral of that story is always be kind and polite to anyone you meet. Even if it's in a movie theater bathroom. Right. You right. never know what that is going to lead to. Nick, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I can even see it as a book series. Uh, <laughs> encounters in the bathroom. Yep. And how many people, like you could probably put out on your Facebook right now for people to tell you all these encounters, like encounters in the bathroom, which is, you know, it's actually, I mean, it, it's kind of, right. It makes it kind of funny because people are like in the bathroom. Like, exactly. But exactly. And that's like, everyone and that's will kind of go, oh my God, you're right. Because like, you know, especially it's like, there's the men's bathroom, there's the, women, the women's bathroom. Like we're not talking about, you know, uh, like, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, people are private in there. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. People but are just, people I come are, in, you, you just yeah. go in, you do your business. That's it. Don't talk to anybody. Uh, in there. And if someone does talk to you, it's kind of like, okay, you know, yeah, like, there's like rules of behavior, but yeah. I bet you, if you put out on your, uh, on your Facebook or, you know, just kind of like put, yeah. put out a call out, you would have, you could make a book. It would kind of be mm -hmm. like chicken soup for the soul. Like mm -hmm. a book of all these little stories about like that is a question. that happened in the bathroom that, that led to, yeah. you know, right? Where's like the most, led... yeah. yeah. The question is, where's the most interesting place you've met someone that's had an impact on your life? Not like a celebrity meeting, you know, like, oh, I saw, I one time saw um, Elton John in the, um, right. so on the subway one day or something like that. Or, right. I saw, you know, like Tom Hanks at the local Burger King or something. Right. But right. just something like I met, you know, I met my future boss at a movie theater. I met bathroom. my bathroom. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I met That's my, so you know, I met my wife online. You know, I yeah. met my girlfriend online. I met yeah. my uh, future best friend and best man. You know, um, walking to some, you know, event or something, you know? Yeah. Because you never know that one encounter, that one minute of just a hello can change yeah. a life for a lifetime, you know? 100%. Mm -hmm. I so, know. I, I'm with you. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm with you. I got, I, got your, I got your number. Yep. <laughs> so we're talking all about, like, being buddy-like and everything. In your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Mm. Uh, you know, you could say that a buddy is like synonymous with a friend. But and, and I am I am actually like part of my uh, branding, you know, part of my like even on my um, speaker intro sheet. I have a little line that says, she's the quintessential BFF, says her BFF. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I literally am the, like, I, I brand myself as the quintessential BFF. Like, I actually 100% um, 
love forging deep, deep, deep friendships with people. Uh, but a buddy is not a BFF. Uh, to me, a buddy, the quintessential buddy is actually someone who you may only encounter once in your life, but they have a huge impact. It's like that strong stealth-like, not silent, but stealth-like force. Um, it's like that person who's uh, going around doing good things for people mm -hmm. and never even telling anybody that they did them. Like, that's a buddy. You know, and, and everybody knows they can depend on that person, even though they've never had to say it. They've never come forward and said, like, you know, here, let me take your car into the mechanic or, or, you know, let me take your, you know, let me bring you dinner. No, but you just know that you can depend on them. It's just a, a buddy is like a reliable, um, it's an archetype of like a person who's just solid, solid. Mm -hmm. That's a buddy. Like that's a buddy. Yeah. That's, it's a cool, it's cool to be a buddy. Absolutely. And you know, Part of being a buddy is being a charitable buddy. So if you could have our audience donate to any charity of your choice right here, right now, what would it be and why? Oh, such a great question. I've got so many. So I, I okay, I will say 100%. I work with authors to bring out their book. Every single one of my authors, I'm like, listen, I don't want to impose my, you know, it's, it's nothing to do with religion because it's actually every single religion in the world has a concept of tithing, every single one. So the reasons that they have the concepts of tithing, so whether you commit it to you, your religion or you're completely atheist, like the actual reasons that the religions adopted this is so much bigger. Um, and so every one of my authors, I always have them commit 10% of their book sales, like to the charity of their choice and and i say i have them they happily do it but they never think of it beforehand like they don't think that that's part of the process but it's such a huge part of the process right it's one of those things that you you do in the background um nobody needs to know uh and then if they do uh, like it's one of those things um so i am very 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 involved in a lot of organizations i've done a lot of philanthropy uh, I actually started my own organization called Open Skies for Autism, which actually takes kids on a, a simulator flight around the airport uh, without ever, you know, so they can experience flight without ever leaving the ground. Um, mm -hmm. It got actually approved to do, to, to be in all of, you know, all sorts of states all around the United States and all through Canada. And it even got approved for London Heathrow until 2020 hit. And so now it's all on pause. So that's my personal charity, but, but, um, you know, until that's up and running again, right? Which will take a little time until we get that up and running again. Mm -hmm. uh, until then, I'm a huge believer that Open Skies for Autism was supported by a larger organization called Dreams Take Flight, which is in association with Children's Wish Foundation. And I was in, I was part of Dreams Take Flight for so many years, taking children who's, who are uh, challenged in any way uh whether they have physical medical challenges or you know socioeconomic or or you know abuse or in the foster care system or anything uh taking them their wish fulfilling their wish of going to disney uh so i would be i was huge in that organization so 
Um, Dream State Flight is my personal charity of choice. Uh, and uh, as a bigger umbrella, if you're not uh, familiar with Dream State Flight, then Make-A-Wish Foundation. Love it. Love yeah. it. And you're right, Make-A-Wish is definitely, definitely a great organization, as is yours, because I remember you telling me that story on the last time we spoke. Right. I remember you telling me how you created that because that's all it takes is one idea, one yeah. idea of, you know what, who's standing up for these people? Who's making this change? Who's, you know, just think yeah. of like, yeah. Just I, think well, of that. And it was just a promise to my daughter's best friend to make mm -hmm. it happen. And then promising her and then picking up the phone and calling the person, you know, my manager and saying like, hey, how do I make this happen? And her saying, you know who you should call? This person. So I call that person. Hey, how do I make this happen? That person who doesn't know me, but says, oh my God, did you know I have a child with autism? I'm like, I didn't know. Then, of you know, of course. And he says, let me call my boss. And so he calls his boss and the boss goes, did you know my wife's a special ed education teacher and works with autistic kids? And he goes, I didn't know. And he calls, you know, the, the, the top head at the airline, like, and, you know, all these phone calls in this intricate web. And it goes back to being a buddy or being neighborly, right? Like when mm -hmm. we actually know what's going on in each other, like that one phone call led to this phone call and this phone call and this phone call and this phone call and everybody just being neighbors. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> it all begins with just a wish. That wish yeah. turns into a neighbor, you know? <laughs> yeah. Turns into a buddy. Like exactly. That's actually perfect, you know? It's, it's like you're the... Mr. Rogers, like, was, won't you be my neighbor? And you're like, won't you be my buddy? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I will say someone did, not to, like, boast or anything, someone did compare me to Mr. Rogers on this show, and that was, like, the ultimate compliment I ever got from that. Like, that was, like, oh, like I was beaming that day. You are like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, you Thank definitely you. are like Mr. Rogers. You've got Thank a Mr. You. Rogers vibe about you. Let me grab something here real quick because I'm in my man cave. I got a little desk set up here. Let me grab. Give me 10 seconds. I have. Have Nine. you ever seen? Nine. Eight. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> have you ever seen? Open. Have you ever seen these uh, Funko Pop things? Like those little yeah. bobbleheads? Sure. Of course. Yeah. I've got this guy sitting oh, right on my desk. Oh, sweet. Yep. Yeah. And you keep them in the box because you, yep. you need them to be protected. Exactly. I got these guys. I got a whole arrangement of things. Like I got Buddy the Elf. I got Elton John and uh, Freddie Mercury, two of my favorite singers. You know, awesome. I got Forrest Gump on there. So all these cute things. But Mr. Rogers is one of my favorites. I had to have him on there. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. We need to get you a book. We need to get you on some stages. You've got a pretty phenomenal story yourself. Thank you. I'm actually, yeah. I've been working on a book for the longest time. It's gonna be titled what my one of my other life sayings is which is great things small packages <laughs> i love that i love mm -hmm. that let's let's have a conversation offline and and make that happen for you yes i'm working that's on it gonna one be, of my that's gonna be some some yes really impactful stuff yes and one of my favorite chapters that i've written in it is what i call my five people Think of five people, whether they're directly related to you or not, that have had some sort of impact in your life that you still carry to this day. Like you said, your neighbors that became your adoptive parents, you know? Yeah. Um, just, just for that short time, it wasn't. Exactly. Yeah. Mm 
-hmm. Exactly. It wasn't like, oh, these people, you know, raised you and, you know, sent you off to school. But these are the people that just for that short time made you feel like you had a loving place that you could call home. You had someone there that had your back in a time of need. I've got a story. I've got stories like that. You know, I've got stories about in there. I have five people. I'm trying to remember them off the top of my head of all who I included. But there was um, I went to scout camp one time and there was a um, scoutmaster there who was really big. I'm a little person, you know, and um, we ended up meeting in a very awkward way. Like he kind of he spooked me a little bit for some reason to this day. I still don't know why I jumped at that moment, you know. But then he came over to our fire that night and he addressed, you know, he just addressed the elephant in the room. But we found out it's through our differences that we are exactly the same. We don't want to be seen as this freakishly tall guy or the little guy. We just want to be seen as us. Yeah. There was a hundred percent. There was another story that. Yeah. I just want to just jump in there. My cousin, my female cousin, I mean, my whole, my whole family is really, really tall, but my female cousin you know, it's a funny thing you mentioned that she's six foot three and she grew up her whole life being called a giraffe. And so it's funny, like you think, oh, well, as a little person, obviously, you know, bullying is a thing. But you didn't realize that the girl who's six foot three got, you know, called names all her exactly. time too. Right. Like you exactly. Just didn't, you wouldn't think it. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. But that led us to become best friends. And they um, for that week and then at the end of the week. I learned something about my buddy. I learned that he struggled with tying knots, you know, because it's because of his hands and everything. And that's, you know, that's kind of like an essential thing to end up being a Boy Scout, you know, is learning <laughs> to tie knots or something. So I was in the camp store on the final night, you know, just making some final purchases or whatever. And right in front of me, it couldn't have been more centered. Right in front of me is this book on how to tie knots. Wow. I don't think twice. I don't you know, debate, well, maybe I don't have enough money or something like that. Like, that's the essential purchase. Like, you know, when you're on a budget and you're making purchases and like, okay, if anything, don't eliminate this, but you can take out this, you know? Yeah. That was that item. And the next part was racing to find him. Thankfully, he was right, almost right outside the door. So I hand that to him. He gives me the biggest bear hug ever. Yeah. And someone reported that not as in a, Hey, another guy was touching another guy, you know, but someone saw the act of kindness and reported it that night. And yeah. So that was beautiful. You just Mm -hmm. think of the metaphor of that, right? Like your, your, Mm -hmm. your big chapter is uh, your five people, but this has a sub chapter heading, how Mm -hmm. to tie knots. Because actually, Right. It's, oh, oh, trust me. That's, that's, that's what I do. That's what yes. I do is find the metaphors and, and yes. but how to tie knots. Cause it really is right. Like, I mean, even mm-hmm. tie the knot, usually you Just think of like marriage. You're giving me a, to... you're giving me a brainstorm right now because there's another chapter yeah. on, or there's another part of that chapter. Um, a man was, uh, I was working for at my high school, um, our soup kitchen, like the day before, um, which about the, the day before, like oh, the week before Thanksgiving, we had a soup, you know, we had a little soup dinner for the less fortunate. And I met a man there who completely changed my attitude because I was kind of having one of those days of like, okay, I got to do this. Not, you know, where today I'd be like, okay, today I'm going down to the soup kitchen. Back then I was kind of like, ah, I got to do this charity event. Da, 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 da. You know, I got to put on a good image, all that stuff. 
But this man completely changed my attitude that day. Like, not as in, like, a reprimand of, like, hey, change your, you know, change the way you are, buddy. But as in, like, I made, he made me realize, like, everything. Like, he made me realize, like, wow, I have much more, even if I feel like I have nothing, I have much more than I could ever imagine. Right. And it was a man who taught who like had this positive attitude he was happy to be here today he's happy to be having this food he introduced himself his name was cleveland cleveland the one thing i'll never forget about him was he fished for his food he was a fisherman he fished so he was helping himself he wasn't you know he was helping himself and because of him that christmas i told my parents all i want for christmas this year is a fishing pole because i want to find that man and fish with him. Wow. That led to so many different things. That led to my father being, you know what? If my son wants to fish, I want to pick up fishing again because I used to fish with my dad. And those were some of the best memories I have. And that led him to getting a family boat to where we have so many memories on that boat, you know? It's all all because I went fishing for a buddy, you know? Finding your fish friends. Exactly. And the that's final the subtitle, story, subtitle of yeah. that, that's the title of that subchapter. Yes. Finding your fish friends. <laughs> and the final thing I'll wrap it, I'll wrap it up with this one before I ask you the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Okay. Was, Cause I, I do have yeah. to, to go yeah. soon. Same here. Same here. Yeah. My girlfriend, my girlfriend just texted me uh, like, a I cartoon. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend just texted me a cartoon of a, uh, of a cat going, ah, so that means i got two minutes but the final quick story was um or actually i'll tell you that i'll tell you that story offline in that case but it was a story about you're leaving me intrigued but okay tell the story about and then and then we'll so it was a story about a woman who i had an encounter with at a wendy's you know as a little person you can tell when someone just meets a little person for the first time they get this look on their face like (gasps) like and I saw it when I was walking into Wendy's, I'm like, oh, great, here it comes, you know. And she right. goes off on how, like, she doesn't want to offend me, but I'm the first little person she met because she asked some questions, yada, yada, yada. And then she goes off on her self-imagery, you know, she asked her questions, and then she goes off on her self-imagery, you know, saying she said something that just slapped me across the face almost. She said, well, it's better to be um, short than to be ugly, I guess. And I just like, whoa, 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 back it up here, you know. And I just went on this whole motivational speech of like, I don't know what religion you're following, what, you know, above being you're following, but the person I follow doesn't make mistakes. So, <laughs> yeah, I and, and I yes. actually remember that story from yes. our last buddy cast. And I'm so glad you told it again, because that's a memorable yes. story. And I have chills a hundred percent. Yes. I so, agree with you. And, and that. I'm glad yes. that you were there. I'm glad that you were there for her at that moment. Yes. Thank you. So now, buddy, it's time for what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready okay. for this? Sure am. For anyone who wants to become an inspirational speaker, yes. what is your advice to them? Join Toastmasters. Like, join like, Toastmasters. Easy. Do it. Like, just do it. Join Join a speaking circle. Join a Toastmasters. Join, uh, you know, just get into action. Because there's mm-hmm. actually not a recipe um, for for success other than action step mm-hmm. by step right step you can't build step. a house other than brick by brick you can't write a book other than word by word you can't become an inspirational speaker other than speech by speech get speaking mm-hmm. 
Walter. Exactly. Take the first step. Take, Take the first. Step. Hey, as your buddy Walt Disney says, you know, it all starts with a wish. It all starts with a dream. You know, his whole story started with a mouse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here on BuddyCast. It was My an pleasure. honor and a pleasure to be speaking with you again. You're always you're an official buddy on this show. So awesome. You're always Thank welcome you so back. Much. Yep. My, it is truly my pleasure, Nick. You're you're yep. literally one of my favorite human beings in the world. Aw, thank you. That made my day. My Mr. Rogers friend. My, my Mr. Rogers neighbor and buddy. I was about to say, my neighbor. For all my neighbors and buddies out there, this is my neighbor and buddy, Merav. Please check her out. She's got some really great speeches. You never know who you're going to inspire next. A hundred percent. We'll see you all next time here on BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast. Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past. Buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast. No, don't feel none it can make it, buddy, here on BuddyCast. Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.